Guys, we are we're starting a study for the next 13 weeks on the basics of the Christian life. Now, the reason why we're doing this study is I'm actually quite amazed at how many people don't really understand what it is to live their life for Jesus Christ. There are some wrong assumptions. In fact, that's what we're going to talk about today. Before we get into the basics of the Christian life, we're going to talk about a wrong understanding. It is very possible that as we go through these things that you maybe have embraced some of these thinkings as it comes to you living your life for Jesus Christ. Now that's really what we're going to be talking about. Is you living your life for Jesus Christ. And what does that mean? And there's a lot of confusing things out there. And so we're going to talk about that today. And we hope that we have some good interaction and and so forth. So what we're going to see, first of all, is there's two common approaches when it comes to the Christian life that are wrong. Two common approaches. That's that first section in your notes. Number one, many believers fall into the trap of legalism. The first common approach is, is that it's called legalism, is where people think that the Christian life is simply a bunch of rules that need to be kept. So the Christian life is reduced down to don't do this, do this, don't go here, go here, don't eat this, celebrate this, and so we think it's a bunch of rules that need to be kept. And it's, it's easy to understand how we fall into that trap because we're, we're wired that way. I mean, you think about when you grew up as a child. In your home, you knew what you could do and what you couldn't do, right? You, there were rules that were communicated to you as a child. So you lived in a world of rules. It was that way when you went to school, right? When you went to school, there were rules in school that you had to abide by. And if you didn't abide by those rules, now we have folks who are old enough to get, have gotten swatted when you were in school. Remember when they did that, guys? The big long paddle with all the holes and the tape on the handle? You know, we remember that. Some of us remember that too well. And, you know, so you, you remember there were rules in school. And it's the same thing with work. Some of you are working in situations where you've got rules that you have to deal with as far as how you do your job. Some of them don't make sense. Some of them are crazy. Uh, but we have to deal with rules. We have to deal with rules in our society. You got rules for the neighborhood. If you live in a borough, you got you got rules that you got to deal with when you live in a borough. Even if you live out in the township, you got rules. Now you maybe try to hide, you know, but the reality is is that there are rules everywhere. So we're used to rules, and so when it comes to the Christian life, we may have this mistaken assumption that there's a bunch of rules that we need to follow. It's not true. So what happens is is that many people will fall into the trap of legalism. They'll fall into the trap of legalism. In fact, it's reflected in this type of thinking. As long as I'm doing the right things, I'm okay. As long as I'm doing the right things, I'm okay. So as long as I'm going to church, I'm okay. As long as I'm putting something in the offering, 
I'm okay. As long as I'm serving, I'm okay. As long as I read the daily bread in the morning or the evening or in the bathroom, I'm okay. As long as I'm, I don't go to these places or as long as I don't do these things, as long as, I, and as long as I'm doing the right stuff, I'm okay. Now, the problem is that's not necessarily true. Now, we in church communicate that to you. I mean, you think about it. How many, how many churches have you gone to? Okay, let's take the issue of giving. How many churches have you gone to where you were told, oh, don't bother giving. You don't need to worry about that. I don't know of a church anywhere that does that. In fact, they always encourage you to give. In fact, some churches have little mini sermons right before the offering, a 10 or 15 minute little message somebody gives about the blessing of giving or something. Now, we don't do that here. But the, the issue is is that you, church has a way of communicating as long as you're doing the right stuff, you're okay. So it's reflected in that attitude. Now, here's the problem. No one is able to do everything right. I want to put a big star by that one. The problem with legalism is this. No one is able to do everything right. I don't care how long they've gone to church. I don't care how much of a super Christian they think they are. The reality is we're human beings. And with human beings, one thing is common among all of us. Failure. And every one of us is going to do wrong. In fact, the Bible would would give would give warnings like this. So, because somebody would say, "Well, I would never." Have you ever heard somebody say, "I would never do something like that," or "I was raised better to not to know better than that," folks? I've been pastoring a long time. I've been ministering twenty years now. I've seen folks who were raised better who didn't do better. Did you understand what I'm saying? You know, do you know what I'm saying? Just because you came from a perfect family doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. And the reality is, is there's no perfect families. None. And the reality is, is that every one of us is going to do wrong. So if you're caught in the trap of legalism, where if as long as I'm doing the right things, I'm okay, the problem is, is you, you can't always do the right thing. You can't. Okay, so let's, let's, get, let's get back to the example of giving. Let's say you're in a church where the emphasis is that you need to give 10%. That's a lot of churches. And the emphasis is, is unless you give that, God's not going to bless you. Okay? God's not going to bless you. Now, here's what happens. This is life. This is life reality. You take the engine out of your car. You have an accident. It's winter. Your heater goes. And then all of a sudden, or better yet, you get sick, you've got a medical condition, and you've got a copay plus a deductible, and all of a sudden it's due at one time. 
So you're not able to give that week or that month because all of a sudden, financially, you don't have it anymore. But see, you're involved in a thinking that says, as long as I'm doing the right things, I'm okay. But the reality, folks, is is that life will thrust things upon you where you're not going to be able to do the right thing all the time, are you? What, what you think is the right thing. And so that, so that week or that month, you don't give. Let me explain to you what happens. What happens is that the tendency is, is you'll be defeated. You'll all of a sudden enter into a line of thinking, oh, well, you know, because we didn't give that month, this is why all these other bad things are happening now. And, or because we didn't give that month, God, you don't accept me anymore. You see how our mind goes? When we begin to think that it's what I'm doing, it gets approval. And it's natural because, think about it, I'm a parent. A lot of you are parents. Some of you are grandparents now. Little Jimmy, if you do right, we're going to reward you. But if you do wrong, we'll have to discipline you. And that's what we're raised with, aren't we? And so we sometimes have a picture that God is that way. And as, as, as long as I'm doing the right things, everything's going to be okay, God. But as, if something doesn't go right and we end up doing something wrong, we have this picture that God is displeased with us and that he's going to discipline us. He's going to discipline us. So no one is able to do everything. Now here's one other aspect about this trap. Legalism leads to hypocrisy. You want to know who the biggest hypocrites are in a community? Of course, they're Christians. But you want to know what type of Christian is the biggest hypocrite in a community? The biggest hypocrite in a community is one who has a rule for every aspect of their life. So you can't go here, can't go there, can't do this, can't do that. They actually, when you're in that trap of that stuff, and I've been there, okay, some of you have been there, the reality is that ultimately that legalism leads to hypocrisy. Because what I have noticed over the years is that when you're caught up in that, there is a thinking that envelops your mind that as long as I'm doing the right thing, I'm okay, so I don't need to worry about anything else. So I can be mean and belligerent, but I give 10%. I can be nasty to my neighbor, but I'm at church. I can be rude to the clerk at Walmart, but praise God, I'll invite her to come to church after I chew her out. Do you know what I'm saying? Legalism leads to hypocrisy. And in many ways, as long as I'm doing the right thing, in fact, I'll I'll be honest with you, I've been giving you some trivial ones. Legalism tends to lead to hypocrisy in other areas. As long as I'm doing the right things, it doesn't really matter that I'm committing adultery. As long as I'm doing the right things, it doesn't really matter that I'm stealing from work. As long as I'm doing the right things. You know, do you know what I'm saying? There, 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 there's a problem with legalism. So 
This is a wrong approach. To get into the trap of legalism is a wrong approach. In fact, there's some scripture right there. I have you, Acts 15, 10 through 11. Here's what Peter talks about this whole issue of rules and law. When the Gentiles in Acts 15, they're arguing about the Gentiles coming into the church. And some of the Jewish believers felt that they needed to abide by the Jewish law, by their Jewish rules. And Peter gets up and he says this, Now therefore, you test God by putting a yoke on the necks of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ we shall be saved in the same manner as they. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, why are we wanting to impose rules and regulations of what you need to do to be okay with God on each other when the reality is, is we can't keep them ourselves? We can't keep them. So, okay, let, let, let's do a little exercise in our mind. I want you to think back. How many of you were in a legalistic situation at some point? How many of you were, okay? All right. I want you to think back. Think back to the people who seemed to have their act together and were able to keep the rules. In fact, they propagated the rules. Okay? I don't want to ask, I don't want to know who they are. I want you to have them in your mind. Now, when you're there, you don't see things because you just accept they know what's going on. It's later when you get older and wiser and you reflect back that you begin to realize, ah, you know what? Everything wasn't kosher there. So, I want you to reflect back. They seem to have their act together by keeping all the rules and regulations, but the question I have for you is, did they really have their act together? Or was there a level of hypocrisy? You know what I'm saying? And the reality is, here's the reality, yeah, there probably was a level of hypocrisy. Level of hypocrisy. So that's one approach, legalism. And I'll be honest with you folks, it's not a good approach. There's no way. The other approach is, and this is where some others fall into, is the issue of experience. Many believers fall into the trap of experience. As long as they are experiencing something, as long as they're experiencing the manifestation of the Spirit in their life, as long as they're seeing God do something, then everything's okay. And so this, this Christian has to have some sort of visible evidence in his life that God is at work in his life. So here's the mentality. As long as I'm experiencing a manifestation of the Spirit, I'm okay. As long as I see evidence of God working in my life, I'm okay. I'm okay. Now this is the exact opposite. we got legalism. As long as I'm doing the right things, I'm okay. But now on this end, it's in a totally, totally different extreme. As long as I'm experiencing something, I'm okay. The problem is, that's not necessarily true. In fact, here's what happens. When you have that kind of a, an atmosphere where you have folks who are experiencing things and they think they're okay, here's what happens. 
those who do not have the same experiences feel defeated. In fact, I've watched this. I've seen this. Usually what takes over with somebody who relies on a life of, of manifestations and experiences, they usually get consumed with personal spiritual pride. I had this experience. I had a wonderful time with Jesus. The Lord was good to me. You start hearing me and I all the time. And, 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 and then you'll hear things like this. So, have you experienced that? And, and actually, can I be honest with you, even in Pentecostal circles, because I have friends who are there, not everybody does experience them. They believe in them, but not everybody experiences them. But here's what happens. Those who do experience them can convey an aura of personal pride that those who don't feel what? Defeated. I must be less than. In fact, they'll pray like this. Lord, you know, I love you. I give my heart to you. Jesus, how come I, how come I can't experience you like so-and-so does? Lord, how come you can't be that real to me? So you hear prayers like that. Lord, there must, and, here's, and usually the communication is, there must be sin in your life. There must be sin in your life. That's why you're not experiencing Jesus that way. So the problem is, is that those who don't have the same experiences feel defeated. Now, here's what I want you to see. Here's the problem with experience orientation. Experience orientation seeks the next new experience. Experience orientation seeks the next new experience. Now, this is, this is common. This is true. You know, there are different levels of people who are addicted to drugs. People can be addicted to drugs for different reasons. I'm going to talk about one subset of people who are. There are some people who are addicted to the experience of drugs. So they'll try a drug. And they enjoy the high, but what the problem is is that every time you take it, the high is not the same as the first time. And so what happens is is that they they're always longing for another new high. So then what happens is is that well if that drug's not good, they get introduced to a what? Another drug. And and so forth until they experience another new euphoric experience. This is the deadly thing that's happening in our community because this is how people are getting introduced to heroin. The problem is, is when you get introduced to heroin the first time, you're hooked. Because that's a very deadly drug. And it's very, you know, it wrecks havoc on their lives. Now, you say, well, that's, that's drug addicts. What's that got to do with us? Well, the thing is this. If you're here and you're looking for an experience from God, after a while, that old experience isn't enough anymore. You're going to seek a new experience. You're going to seek a new manifestation. See, if you're experience-oriented, you're going to go looking for another experience. You know, I had a, I had a friend I knew uh, when I was in college. He was a really good guy. He actually came out of a drug-addicted background, so the tendency was already there. And... He 
was very experience-oriented. In fact, he would do crazy stuff. And at first, you would just kind of laugh at it. Like, oh, well, you know. So, like, for instance, when you're, you know, I went to Liberty, and Liberty's on the side of a mountain. And Liberty Mountain's there, and they had a trail that went up the mountain. And so one day, Chuck is walking up the mountain. It's this time of year. And he's walking barefoot up the mountain. So somebody said, Chuck, why don't you got your boots on? I mean, why are you walking up the mountain barefooted? And his response was, Jesus said to take off your shoes on holy ground. You know, because the mountain was holy. You know what I'm saying? I mean, whoa, you know, okay, whatever, Chuck. More, to you, more power to you, buddy. I'm not walking up that mountain barefooted. But, I mean, he did. And so you, you go from one experience. Now, here's what happened with Chuck. He ended up, well, I'll, I'll go back to Chuck here in a moment, because there's a problem that happens. The issue with experience orientation is this. Eventually leads to error. Eventually leads to error. For Chuck, he ultimately went off into heresy. He ultimately got involved with a group that preaches that there is no trinity. And and it was all because of an experience. Because he got rebaptized in the name of Jesus only. Had some sort of experience happen to him. And he went off the deep end. That was 20 years ago. I don't know where Chuck is today. I don't know what's ever happened to him. But that, that can happen. I've seen it. You know, when I was in Canada, oh, this has been, what year is this? This is 16 years ago. They had a phenomenon going up, going on up there called the Blessing. And it was in a church in Toronto. And it was on the news. Weird stuff going on. People laughing. People uh, barking. Yeah, more than that. Uh, people perching on the back of the pew like a hawk and swooping down. You know. First of all, I don't know that I could perch on the back of a pew here. I might break it. Barking like a dog, so one guy's acting like a dog. Hiking his leg like a dog. I mean, come on. So, now here's what happened, though. I was pastoring an hour north, and you'd meet people who had gone down to Toronto to this church. So when you talk to them, you would say, they would tell you about how oh, the blessing, the blessing, the blessing. How wonderful the experience was and everything, blah, blah, blah. And so then you so you have questions about it or you have something you want to say to them. And the, the next thing that would come out of them, well, have you been? Well, no. Well, then you really can't speak to it. It only took that one time to happen. I made a decision I need to go down there. So I went down with another another minister. And we sat through the service, and folks, it was the most oppressive service I ever sat through in my life. The music, uh, they were playing the music, and, and there were people, you know, I, I wasn't raised a Christian, okay? So there were people, I mean, I thought I was, I forget, I know we have connotations of rock, but I mean, I thought I was in a drug-filled rock concert, okay? The way people were swaying, with, I mean, and whatever, and... And uh, and then when they had people giving testimony, they wanted the blessing. It wasn't they wanted Jesus? They wanted the blessing, and they're begging for the blessing like a, like an addict would beg for a drug. And then the preacher got up. 
This is what the most freaky thing was. He's describing Jesus on the cross and the whole place breaks out in laughter. You know, it's like, holy cow. You know? it was, it, I had the most oppressive spirit that day. It was like there was something demonic was there. And all of it, can I be honest with you, the justification for all of it was an experience of the spirit. That's how they justified it. This is God doing it. I mean, they didn't need to have the Bible. They just need to say God did it. Now, the problem is, is that experience orientation, eventually, if you're geared towards the experience, eventually, you're going to go off in error. Because really what the issue is with this one is not rules keeping like we have with legalism. It's all about how you feel. Okay? It's, all, it's, it's a Christianity, a Christian life, based on your feeling. So it, it doesn't really matter what the Bible says. It's, it matters how you feel that day about what you think Jesus is telling you. It's your feelings. Now, everybody, you know, it's like that song, feelings, you know. I mean, feelings are, you know. I mean, I did not feel good this morning. After NyQuil last night, my tongue is thick, you know, I'm clogged up, my head's hurting. I did not feel good. Some of you, it's not until you get your first cup of coffee. Some of you, you're morning people, and you feel good in the morning. You know what I'm saying? You know? I mean, feelings are... You can't base your life on that. You know, here's the thing. Let me give you some scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 2 and 3. This is right before he talks about the issue of spiritual gifts with them. He, he makes an interesting statement to them because the Corinthians were having, they were very experience-oriented. But they must have been having some problems in their services with people who were having these experiences. So look what he says. You know you were Gentiles. Look, carried away to those dumb idols, however you were led. So he's reminding them about how they used to be when they were pagan worshipers. But they did whatever... You know, they were carried away by the idols. They got carried away in the frenzy of the worship, and they did whatever they wanted to. Therefore, here's what he's saying. I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of Jesus, speaking of the Spirit of God, calls Jesus accursed. And no one says that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So obviously, in their service, somebody was getting carried away and saying Jesus is accursed. And they were okay with it because... It was a spiritual manifestation. And Paul's saying to them, Guys, don't you remember what it was like when you were pagan worshipers and you got carried away in the frenzy of your worship and you did whatever? He said, This is not the way it is. Nobody led by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed. This is not a manifestation of the Spirit. So it leads to error. Now, two common attitudes. We're going to talk about two common attitudes. So there's two wrong approaches, and that's legalism or experience orientation. We want to get in the middle. We want you to experience God, but we don't want you to fall into either one of those traps. So that's what we're going to talk about the next 13 weeks, okay? But we also have to talk about two common attitudes that are wrong, two mindsets that are wrong. First of all is an incorrect mindset. 
Here's what it is. My acceptance with God is based upon my devotional life and actions. This is a wrong mindset. This, this mindset says that as long as I have my quiet time with Jesus, and as long as I'm doing the right things, He accepts me. Now, here's what I want you to write in your margin. We all fall into this mindset. Every single one of us. It is very easy for all of us to fall in this mindset. Because we think that as long as I'm doing my devotions, I'm okay. As long as I'm doing the right things, I'm okay with God. He accepts me. So my acceptance with God is based upon my devotional life. Now, here's the problem. This mindset will result in two outcomes in your life. You're either going to fall into one or two traps here. You're either going to fall into the trap of legalism or defeat. You're going to fall into the trap of legalism or defeat. Actually, let me explain both of those. Legalism. Again, you're going to deceive yourself into thinking, well, I had my devotions today. And here's what can happen. You can get to the place where you just read and you don't remember what you read later on. Ever had that happen? Sat down, read something, closed the book. Then you start thinking, what did I just read? In fact, you get to the place where devotions is just a check mark. Check. I did my devotions today. Check. Keeping the right actions. It all comes into, it becomes legalism and that wrong, that wrong approach that we talked about earlier. We're talking about a mindset here. Defeat happens now where, let's say your week goes crazy and you don't have time to get into your quiet time that day. Your whole schedule's whacked out. Something has taken it over. You get sick. You're not able to do whatever. I mean, crisis is happening. You're not able to get to your, quote, devotions, quote, to the daily bread, quote, to your reading. You're not able to do the things that you want to do. Now, here's what happens. God must not love me anymore. I'm not accepted. Defeat. And especially if that week something bad happens. Now, can I, can I tell you something, folks? Let me, just, let me just remind you of something here. You may want to grasp this. Here's the truth. Something bad happens every week. Want to write that down? Something bad happens every week. Now, here's the thing. The issue is how you view it that's different. Because some weeks, something bad happens. Oh, it's just life. No sweat. You go on. You know what I'm talking about? It's irritating. You know what I'm saying? You're frustrated, but you go on. But some weeks... You're sensitive to it, overly sensitive to it, and especially if it's a week where you haven't had your devotions and you have that incorrect mindset, when something happens wrong that week, oh God, you must be displeased with me. God, you're, you're doing this to discipline me. God, you're, you're angry with me. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? The, the, the issue is, did anything more happen to you that week than the week before? No. Every week's got bad stuff. What is is, is that you are sensitive now because you think your acceptance with God is based upon what? What you do. I didn't do my devotions. I didn't do this. Now, let me explain something. We'll talk about it here in a moment. 
what true acceptance is. Here's the ignorant mindset. Some people have this mindset when it comes to the Christian life. I'm saved, and that is all that really matters. I'm saved. I can do whatever I want to. In fact, that's the next one. I'm forgiven. I can do whatever whatever I want to. So this is the ignorant mindset. I took care of that, that hell thing. Somebody asked me if I wanted to go to hell. No, I don't want to go to hell. I prayed the prayer. And you know what? I can do whatever I want to now. I'm forgiven. This is the mindset. It's like, I don't really need to concern myself. You know what? If you're defeated by not doing your devotions, you know, you got a problem because that's really the matter because, hey, I'm saved. I'm forgiven. I can do whatever I want to. I can live the way I want to. I can do whatever I want to. Now, here's what Paul says. Paul says in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 2, he's addressing this very same issue, the very same attitude. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? The Romans, somebody there was teaching them that as long as they sinned, they were going to experience the forgiveness of Jesus. And Paul's saying, hey, what are you going to say? Are you going to say, what shall we say? Can we, can we just say, hey, I'll, sin and grace will abound? Here's what he said, certainly not. How shall we who die to sin live any longer therein? He's saying you've got a wrong way of thinking. It's a completely wrong way of thinking. You can't think that way. Because salvation, let me, you may want to write this down. Salvation is more than just a one-time event. It's a lifetime event. You say, what are you talking about, George? I'm saved. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. No, no. Salvation is more than a one-time event. We've reduced it down to a one-time event. Have you prayed and asked Jesus into your heart? Salvation, rather, is a lifetime event. Because you've got to understand the process of salvation. There's justification, which happens immediately. I'm justified. I'm accepted by Jesus. But there's sanctification, which is the rest of your life, where I am becoming like Jesus. I am being saved. Where my, my life is being redeemed. My mind is being redeemed. My actions are being redeemed. That takes a lifetime. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in your life molding you into the image of Jesus. And you say, how long does that take? Forever until you go to be with Him. Now some groups think that you can reach perfection, but I haven't met very many perfect people. Have you in Christian circles? No, it's a lifetime thing. And then the final aspect of salvation is when you die, or unless Jesus comes back, you're glorified. You experience salvation through glorification in that what? means that you will receive a new body and you'll be with Jesus forever. No sin. See, salvation is a, a lifetime process, not a one-time process. Not a one-time event. It's a lifetime event. And you need to grasp that. So the, the mindset is, I'm okay, I can do whatever I want to do. Here's another one. Have you ever done this? I have when I was immature and dumb. I know I shouldn't do this. I'll ask for forgiveness later. You ever done that? No, 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 you don't have to nod. 
but I know humanity enough. We have. That's presumption. That is a wrong mindset. Knowing to, you know, James says this, him who knoweth to do good and doeth it not, it is what? Sin. It's wrong. Now here's what happens. The mindset results in false assurance. If you adopt this mindset, you actually have a, a false assurance going on here. You might think you're saved, but the reality is, is maybe you're not. And there are a lot of people who adopt this mindset and think they're going to heaven, but the reality is they're not going to be there. How do you know that? Matthew 7 says this. Jesus says, In that day there will be many who will come to him and say, Lord, Lord, did we not do all these great things in your name? And he lists some things that they've done. And Jesus will say to them, Depart from me. I never knew you. Now the implication of the text is, is these folks are calling him Lord. These folks think they're believers. But Jesus is saying to them, You're not. I don't even know who you are. In fact, the passage I give you there to look at is John chapter 14, verses 23 through 24. Listen to what Jesus says. Jesus had said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. So what's Jesus saying? Jesus isn't into lip service. Don't say you love him. The way you know that you love him is what? Do what he says. And if you don't want to do what he says, the reality is you probably don't love him. probably don't know him. So those are the two, two things that I want you to see as far as, as we get into this whole issue of the basics of the Christian life. You can fall into two, you can approach it the wrong way, you can be um, experience oriented or legalistic oriented, or you can have a wrong mindset. You can be totally ignorant, or you can be incorrect in your thinking. Now, all of it has to do with this. And this is not in your notes, but you want to write this down. All of it has to do with the reality that, I'll tell you what to write down here in a moment. It has to do with our acceptance. And the, what's wrong with those two approaches and what's wrong with the two mindset is this. It's, it, it, your acceptance with God and those, that way of incorrect thinking is based upon what you are and what you're doing. That's wrong. Here's what you write down. My acceptance with God is based upon what Jesus has done. Do you understand? My acceptance with God is not based upon me, what I do, what I don't do, who I am, who I'm not, how I'm thinking, how I'm not thinking. My acceptance with God is based upon what Jesus has done. He died, was buried, rose again, gave me eternal life. That's what it is. My acceptance, your acceptance with the Savior is not based upon you. Isn't that wonderful? You know? Because even in a marriage relationship, there are some days when your spouse, she ain't accepting you today. Or he ain't accepting you today. You know what I'm saying? 
Then there are other days when you feel totally accepted. But the reality is, that's not the way it is with God. It's not based upon us, it's based upon Him. Alright, so next week we're going we're to look at a proper understanding. I just gave you a little bit of that right now. So let's, let's close our time in prayer and we'll get ready for the morning worship service.